Well, anyway, let's get on. Look at the time. So, you know, I just wanted to share this morning, uh, Michelle and I obviously had a chance to be in the Philippines again for a couple of weeks. And in that time that we were there, uh, we had an opportunity, because often I go to the Philippines, I fly into Manila, I fly out of Manila, I go to, I go to Leyte, and I'm there for a week, and that's all I do. This time, I just, uh, Michelle and I just went to an island called Bohol. Who's been to Bohol? No one? One person? Good, two people? It's, it's down there on the right side, and because um, and, uh, the islands, Philippines have got over 2,000 islands, and we just had a little bit of time just to ourselves, and um, on that time, we saw one of the most fascinating little animals that I've ever seen in my life there, and it's called the tarsia. It's a little monkey. Have you seen that monkey? That is incredible. Anyway, so we had an opportunity to go and see this little monkey in the wild. And this little monkey, um, you know, by day, it's interesting because it's only about 12 centimeters long, fully matured adult little tarsia. So it's only about that big, okay? Its tail is nearly double the length of that, but its body is only about that big. Um, the head takes up uh, a lot of room on its body because its head is about nearly, nearly twice as wide as it is deep. It looks like a little... There was something in Star Wars that looked like it. I think Attila the Hun, who ate, you know, that. And it was amazing. And this little monkey, let me, is, has, uh, has a fair bit of bodies taken up by the head. And the head has to, the reason for the head to be so big, because it has to accommodate its eyes. Its eyes are enormous. Its eyes are 1.5 centimeters diameter, and that's just one of them. It is like 15 millimeter eyeballs. Now, compared to its body, the proportions are incredible. Its eyes are massive. If you were to have the same proportions as a little Tarsia monkey, your eyes was as big in proportion to what it is as your body, your two eyeballs would be as big as your fists. That's the reality. In actual fact, one of its eyes is bigger than its brain. How's that? Your eyeball's bigger than your brain. It doesn't say much for its intelligence, but it does say something else. So we want to, I just, um, and it's nocturnal. You know what nocturnal is? It means it, it sleeps during the day generally and wakes at night. So it, it feeds. It's a, it's a, and this little monkey, don't be, don't be, think it's this nice and pretty because it's a carnivorous predator. It doesn't eat any fruit. It doesn't eat any leaves. It eats other animals, mainly insects and worms and little bats and anything else it can get its little fangs into. It'll eat those type of things. It doesn't eat vegetation. And it hunts at night time. So it's interesting. Would you like to see a picture I took? Okay, here we go. Okay, now the picture in the middle is the one I took at daytime. And it's not a very good picture in the middle up the top. So I thought that I'd just take some other pictures to give you some comparisons. And you can see the one on the right. I think he's smiling. And... Um, his eyeballs are enormous. Would you agree? Incredible eyeballs on this little thing. And if you didn't see it, look, that, that, that picture in the middle, of course, is the one I took right at the top there. But, and you can see the comparison with the hand. And you can see on the left, it's devouring a big grasshopper. Uh, so they're bloodthirsty or whatever thirsty they are. But that's the realities. So, you know, as I just looked at this um, 
whole thing of the Tarsia, I actually found out about it before I went there because I knew I was going to see the little Tarsia, and I just wanted to find out about this amazing little monkey. It intrigued me why its eyeballs were so big. I thought, why does a monkey need to have eyeballs that size? I mean, it's just crazy stuff. And so as I investigated and started to think about it, I wanted to share with you why the Tarsia has big eyeballs. That's an interesting message. I've actually entitled it, The Eyes Have It, A Story of the Life of the Tarsia Monkey. So it's a play on words, the eyes have it. And this little monkey has eyes that are incredible. Let me just bring it down to some scripture here so we know that we're staying biblical. Um, our eyes are very important for our existence. Would you agree? Our eyeball. What we see, and here's the lesson for this morning. Luke 11.34 says this. Your eye is the lamp of your body. When your eyes are healthy, your whole body is full of light. But when you are unhealthy, your body is, can be full of what? Darkness. Um, that verse, Jesus spoke those words. He said, you know, the truth is what you see will determine whether you are literally healthy or unhealthy in your lifestyle, in your life mindsets, and even physically what you look at whether it will determine sometimes and it will affect your physical body. Would you agree? Today we have mental health issues because of what people look at. Please understand that's not just the only case of why people have mental health issues, but it's also many other pains and hurts that people can experience, and I respect and understand that. But, you know, we have problems. People, you can look, you know, depending on what you see, because this is the eye gate for our soul. Our soul is our emotional content, our, the place of our heart. It's where everything happens in our lives in here and then is displayed out. And, but the, before it gets into our heart, it has to come through the eye gate. Is that right? through here, what we see. So what we look at is so important. The scripture, I should say, the verse this morning in the song says, I can see you now. And then it says, I can see the love in your eye. You know, one thing that we need to see in life is we need to give focus to the Lord Jesus Christ. And I know we physically can't see him or embrace him, but there's something within our hearts, we worship him, that we can see something of him and just his love. We can look at God's word and see what he's like. It's incredible. So what we see is so important. John the disciple said, um, said something about this. He said something about seeing light and darkness. And he said in John 1, 4 and 5, In him was life, in Jesus there was life, and the life was the light of all what? Mankind. And then light shines in the darkness, and the darkness has never overcome it. Praise God. So the very light that Jesus brought into the world is the light in the life of men and women and people. And one good, good news this morning for us is that dark light has never been consumed by the darkness, praise God, because God lives in people like you and me all over this world, and we display light because of the light of Christ. And it all happens because we can see it and believe for it. So what can we learn about these little monkeys, the Tarsiers? Many things. But the most incredible, one of the things that I found was very inspiring and encouraging is the, uh, the little Tarsia can see light in complete darkness. It can see light in complete darkness. Their eyes are so big because they operate at night and nocturnal. Even the slimmest bit of light in the dark, and what we would sometimes as humans look at something and say, this is completely dark, I cannot see a thing. It is pitch black. You've heard of that terminology? Pitch black, because pitch is black, and that's the saying. It, it, we can't see anything. It's just can't see my hand in front of my face. But you know, the very reason, um, thing that we can't see, to a little tarsier, it can always see because 
it can see light. It can pick out the light in the darkness. Do you know that, that um, light is always with us, even in darkness? It's just that in the times of darkness, it's just that there's less light. Some people, see, darkness, sometimes we say light and darkness, but, you know, they're not as if they're on the same level. Light and darkness aren't on the same level. Light is particles. Darkness has no particles to it. Darkness is just the absence of light. That's understandable. Darkness is just the absence of light. There's no really such thing as a material piece of darkness. They can't be, but there is light because it's actual, it's real, it's reality. Darkness is just the absence of light. And when it's really dark, it's just the absence of more light than we can see with because our eyes aren't adjusted. But to Atasia, Atasia, when it, the darker it is, the better. The better it is, and actually, because the reality is he can see in the darkness. He sees it because his eyeballs are so big. Look at those eyeballs. That, that one looks a little bit mean, doesn't it? But the reality is he could see in the dark. And the, and the incredible attribute that he has is he can see light in complete darkness. I find that fascinating. In actual fact, it's been thought that possibly the Tarsia has the best eyesight in the animal kingdom. That's a big call, isn't it? The best eyesight. Um, the Tarsia can literally see in the darkness as there are highly sensitive retinas in their eyes pick up on it. And those little black slits, you can just see a little black slit on the right eye. When, when there's not much light, that expands, it dilates to this. The whole eyeball is nearly consumed by the black retina, and it can see so clearly uh, in the mist of the darkness. In actual fact, as I said, the darker it is, the better, because when they go hunting, um, uh, the other animals, when it's completely dark, the little animals that they want to hunt down, if they can't see properly and the tarsia can, it's much easier to catch its food. So it enjoys the darkness. It doesn't necessarily always want to be in darkness, but it has this incredible ability to see in the dark. I want to ask you a question this morning. Are you, can you see light in your darkness? Can you see the light? Can you see, that, can you see that the reality is, no matter how dark it may be in some situations you face today or tomorrow or this week, there is, God says that the darkness will never be consumed because there's always elements of light just for us. There's a guy called David. We know him from Psalm 23, the shepherd boy. He wrote that one. He wrote a lot of Psalms. He grew up to become the king of Israel. We see his life displayed in the Bible, right through 1 Samuel, 2 Samuel in the Old Testament. And if you know anything about David, you know that he didn't get to the position of king just in a moment. He was anointed as a young man, as a shepherd boy. And then, it, then some years later, he became a warrior and a soldier of the Israeli army. And yet, for a period of time, for 10 years, he was treated as an animal and hunted. And not just by anybody, but by his own family. His own father-in-law wanted him dead. He lost his wife because of this terrible uh, accusations and false accusations against him. And it was all because Saul, who was his father-in-law, was a false, uh, 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 sorry, was a, um, a jealous king because of what he thought David could do better than him. What a terrible way to live. And David suffered for 10 years at the hands of Saul. But you know what? Even though David uh, went from cave to cave and was um, hunted like an animal, you know, 
There's some incredible things that David learned in those times of darkness. And I want to tell you, if there's ever a man who saw light in darkness and saw the good in the bad, it was David. And there's a psalm that goes like this in Psalm 27, verses 1. It says, The Lord is my light and my salvation. Whom shall I fear? The Lord is the strength of my life and whom I shall be afraid. So that's the first verse. God, you're my salvation. You're my light. Even though I, David's literally saying, God, there's so much darkness at the moment. I don't know whether to, tomorrow will be another day that I'll survive. But the truth is, you are my light and my salvation. And then the last verse of Psalm 27, well, the second last, verse 13, says this. You know, God, I would have lost heart. I would have lost heart unless I had believed that I would see the good. I would see that I would see, David says, the goodness of the Lord in the land of the living. Do you know what David hung on to for 10 years while he's being chased like an animal? He hung on to the fact that this, he says, you know what? I believe in my heart that I will see, I will see the goodness of my God in the midst of this darkness. I will see God come through for me. And I believe that I'll live with the, those in the land of the living. I am not going to die even though my life is threatened. And, I, and sometimes I feel like it, it's nearly... He's nearly got me. He's nearly chased me down. He's nearly speared me, whatever he's done. The truth is, I will one day live in the land of the living and not the darkness I'm in at the moment. I want to tell you this morning, if you've got something that's dark around you, I want to tell you as Christians, he's given you incredibly big eyesight. <clears throat> and if you would take the opportunity to take his word and the Holy Spirit, he can help you to see light in the darkness you're experiencing. As Christians, we, we do have big eyeballs in that sense because God is light and he lives in us and we can see in the dark places. In your darkest moments, and we all have times, don't we? We all have times when we feel like darkness is, isn't taken, is upon us. And, you know, Jesus gives us a promise in the darkness. He says this, I am the light of the world. Whoever follows me will never walk in darkness, but will have the light of life. The light of life. You know, that's just saying, you know, the truth is, if you follow me, you can have darkness all around you, but you can still see light. You can still see a hope. You can still, and you know, sometimes we need to focus on the light at the end of the tunnel and not the darkness in the middle of it. Sometimes we need to realize there's a better day coming. Sometimes we need to realize that the best is yet to come in what we face. I want to speak that because that's what God speaks over your life this morning. He says, you know what? I've given you a hope and a future. I'm not here to curse you. I'm here to bless you. And I'm thankful for a God like that, aren't you? He doesn't say, you know, you live in your darkness and be consumed by it. No, he says, live in light, even though surround you is all darkness. He says, live in light in me. I want you to see, and you know, this morning, if you can't see the light, I want to, I want to say, just draw near to him because you'll start to see the light in the darkness. Oh, man. If there's, you know, there's some things that I see in, in life that we need to see light in the darkness. And I'm not going to, let me just quickly mention them. Things that you need to see light in darkness. To see light in dark places is to see the best in others and choose to see the best in others all the time. Because there's plenty of people who want to maybe, um, you know, upset you. And we find ourselves, don't want to find ourselves on the road of unforgiveness or slander or bitterness. But we need to just see the best. And that's not easy sometimes, but the Bible, you know the Word of God, it says, you know, pray for those who despitefully taunt you or misuse you. And 
uh, you know, the truth of that. We don't lead, need to live in misdirected anger and unforgiveness. We need to see light in the darkness. Another thing we need to see light in the dark places is to choose to have joy over grumpiness and bad attitudes. Amen? It's not to live as a fake. Oh, I'm, you know, life is crippling you and you just, oh, I'm happy, I'm happy. No, it's not that. It's just having this joy that, God, I know that you're going to come through. And sometimes when you have that attitude, joy does come on your face. And how can you be so happy when everything is falling apart? Well, you know, it's not false. It's just that God gives me a piece of the midst of that. And we seem to need to see the light in the darkness. Another area that I'm very aware for human beings is that we need to have, see the light of faith instead of the light of see the darkness of fear. So many times in, in my life, and you can identify, I'm sure, that there's been times when you've just been concerned about what's going to happen next. You're fearful. You're not quite sure. You're just saying, God, what is happening here? And you know, it's time to see the light of faith and not the darkness of fear. It's like time to say, you know, I'm not going to be bowed down to this because, you know, how many times have I worried about something and it's never come to pass? Never come to pass. Two weeks ago on a Monday, I was with Michelle in the Brisbane airport. And uh, as we're sitting there to get a flight from Brisbane to Sydney and then a connecting international flight from Sydney to Manila, over the speaker system said that your plane has been delayed at least an hour um, because Sydney airport has got low cloud and they can only use one runway. So every plane into Sydney was being delayed throughout Australia. And I started to do the figures in my head, but God, I've only got an hour and 15 to catch my flight, the international flight out of Sydney to Manila. I thought, if, you, if this is delayed at least an hour, how am I ever going to catch the flight? And so I started to think about it, and I went to the, up to the counter and said, what's happening here? You know, blah. And, you know, fear started to grip my heart because, you know, what happened two years ago? I was in coming out of the Philippines, and, then when I, and the domestic flight out of Tacloban to Manila was four hours late. Pal, it was with Cebu Pacific. And, and so when I got to the checkout in the International in Manila two years ago, they said, sorry, your plane's gone. And I missed my international flight and spent another two days in the Philippines, which I wasn't too upset about. It's a nice place to be. But um, the reality is I was, it really, it, it did give me an element in my heart. Now, two years ago, I'm starting to fear about this situation. I'm thinking, just wait a second, what am I doing? I've got some fear here I've got to deal with. But, you know... <laughs> I started to justify my fear. That's what we do, don't we? I'm going to miss this flight to Manila. What is it about Manila and the Philippines? I'm always missing flights. I had myself missing it before I even, you know, that's what fear does. It takes you down, a, it takes you down a, a, the darkness. And, you know, you've got to bring it back and say, hey, there's a bit of light here. God is able and I need to trust him. Anyway, we finally, it wasn't an hour late. It was an hour and 20 minutes late. We finally flew into Sydney. Now, thankfully, Qantas is pretty good, so they're aware that there's a couple of us that are you know, trying to get a connecting international flight, so they put us through the express lane. Didn't, there's an, I didn't know there was such a thing, but there's an express lane through customs and immigrations and, and security, and Michelle and I took that road, and so we end up real quick at, at we went through um, immigrations, and then we get to security, and that's where it stopped for a moment. Michelle takes her, you know, her bag through, and they, you know, they scan everything, and we've already put our bags in and everything that go check in, but you've got carry on, and so she gets through security, and man, I have to do the whole body scan thing. You know what that is? You stand there and go, 
and I come out, and now I come out of it, and he says, oh, we're looking at the screen, and there's something showing my left shoe. I thought, what is that? I haven't got a gun there, a hand grenade. What is that? He says, go back in again. I said, buddy, I've got seven minutes to catch this connecting flight. My wife is gone. He says, hop in the machine. I said, no problem. <laughs> I hop in the machine, and I do the thing again. I don't know what, I'm glad it doesn't, you know, it x-rays you. So, you know, anyway, won't go there. Um, so they see everything. So, you know, thankfully the second time through, it's okay. So then I put my hand luggage through that I'm going to carry on the plane with me. And, and this guy gets my hand luggage and he puts it over there to one side. I'm saying, that's my luggage. He says, there's something in there. I said, what could be in there? My wife has gone to, I said, honey, just go ahead of me. I felt it this time she gets to the Philippines, it's okay. <laughs> it's sitting there. The security guard is over here who's got to check my bag, and he's over here with another bag, and this guy in his bag has got 50 bottles of pills and medicines, and he's looking at each one. Oh. I go up to him, takes my bag. Patience. I got seven minutes. My wife is going to go without me. I walked to the guy who scanned my body and said, buddy, can you do me a favor? Come and check. My bag is literally just meters away. I felt like running into the security zone, just stealing my bag and, I, and running. But I thought if I do that, I'm going to be flattened by about 10 guys straight away. So I won't do that. But I said, could you come and He says, I can't leave the scanner. Go over there to the, to the chief security lady and ask her if she's got another person available to check your bag. I went over to her and I said, blah, 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 blah. And she says, oh. I'll be with you in a moment. I said, I ha I th I'm thinking to myself, oh, I haven't got a moment. Moment in time. So I go back. It's literally just, oh, I can nearly touch it. It's just sitting there. And finally, this lady comes over and checks the bag. And, and, um, and I wanted to show her because she said to me, you know what? They found a bottle of water in there. I thought, oh, my fault. Don't put bottles of water in luggage that you're going to take on. They think it's some explosive or something. So I said, oh, she said, don't touch the bag, sir. I said, okay. I said, don't touch. Okay, I won't touch the bag. She pulls out of the bottle of water. I said, sorry about that. I left the bottle of water. Learn from me. She throws it away. That's fine. She, she, and I go to, she says, we've got to check all this again. I said, what? I got three minutes to get to the gate. She says, sir, we've got to check. She puts it back through security. You know, Clothes, you know, like jumpers and things are sticking out of it. Finally, it comes through. And I says, is that okay? She says, yeah. I grabbed the bag. I clutch it. It was bits were everywhere. I didn't care what was it. I didn't zip anything up. I sprinted maybe 300, 400 meters, and I forgot something at that crucial moment that every guy needs to remember. Put a belt around your pants. <laughs> it was, and Greg Marbach had lent me a belt that had no buckle. I forgot to put my belt on. And so I've got this pair of shorts on. I'm running with a bag under one arm, and I'm now holding my pants up <laughs> as I run. I get to the checkout, and Michelle is just in line going through to the plane. I'm on the end of the line, and I make it, and I sit at Manila in the plane. I go, <sighs> okay. Fear can do terrible things to you, folks. I hope you got the point in all of that. But you know what? We worry about so many things that will never happen. And I, I had myself missing the plane. I had myself, I'll just stay in Sydney, catch another one. I had myself doing all types of things. 
But, you know, it never eventuated. Now, sometimes it does, but, you know, when it even does, it, you need to not have fear because God has another plan and you need to trust him. Okay, we better move on. Is that, we need bigger eyes because the Tarsia can see in the darkness. Here's the next thing, and we'll move very quickly through this. But the second thing about this little monkey is its eyes are fixed. This is incredible. It, no other animal, I think, has this attribute about its eyes. In other words, its eyes, when it looks, it can't roll its eyes. It can't move it to the left or right. Its eyes are just fixed straight ahead. They don't roll. They don't go. It's just fixed. Its eyes are fixed. The only way it can see around it is it's got this amazing um, universal joint in its neck, and it can actually turn 180 degrees this way and that way. It can't do 360. That would be a bit weird. But the reality is it can do 180 degrees either way, but its eyes are always fixed. So when it looks at you, it just does that. It just stares. It can't, can't move its eyes. It, it's, they're locked in. Someone must have got this thing called super glue, just stuck them right in there, and it's just focusing straight ahead all the time. I just think, wow, um, you know, that's amazing. The wisdom, the, the, the truth and the lesson in this is, is that, you know, um, the wisdom of Proverbs says this, let your eyes look straight ahead. This is Proverbs 4, 25 and 27. Let your eyelids look right before you. Ponder the path of your feet and let all your ways be established. Do not turn to the right or to the left. Remove your foot from evil. How many times does Scripture say, don't turn to the right or left? I just want to say, here's the truth. Focus on what's in front of you and don't be distracted. Don't be distracted. God wants us to continually focus on the truth ahead of us. You know, the enemy continually wants to distract us. If he can get you away from the main thing in your life. Michelle has been known to say to him on the odd occasion, James, keep your eyes on the road. I don't know why she says that. To be honest, and she says, because when you do look to the left or right, you, your car starts to go that way. But I've got a problem, folks. Pray for me. I just, you know, it's boring out the front window. What's wrong with looking over there or over there, you know? But she continually tells me, and I continually have to acknowledge it, it is bad habit. And it can be, uh, the truth is, looking over there while driving can be fatal. Would you agree? And while we're not looking, while we're looking at the moment, the truth is distraction is the biggest killer of people, not just car accidents. I'm not talking about that, but I'm talking about distraction of the heart. It, it kills people every day because they get caught up with something that is not healthy and not good for them. And we need to have a focus. It says, you know, looking unto Jesus, the author and the finisher of our faith. We need to continually. So, you know, if there was things that distract people, Distraction by everything that glitters and looks good, you know, material possessions. It's a real distraction. It's a real, it's a path that people travel and it becomes, you know, such a danger to people when they go after things because stuff can't be taken with you, can it? Really, ultimately. So it's not good. We can be distracted by busyness. Come on, busyness of life. And our life is so busy, fast paced. We give no attention to our God. And yet we claim to be Christians and we live at a fast pace and we need a balance between doing things and resting in God. We need to do things, but we need to find rest as well. And thus stress sends us to an early grave sometimes. Many people have died because they're so distracted. Got to do this, got to do that. They run from pillar to post. They're just so busy. We've got to be stopping. We need to be focused on what's the important thing. Distracted by 
Here's another one distracted by the feel-good epidemic that happens in our world. If it's not good, doesn't feel good, I'm not going to do it. Do you know what? A lot of your life, a lot of the things that you do sometimes in life aren't necessarily you feel good about it, but you do it because you know it's good. You know that it's the right thing to do. A lot of things in our life are the lifestyles we live. You know, if you did, you know, I, I don't necessarily always enjoy brushing my teeth because oh, I want to go to bed. But you know what? I do it because it brings health to my teeth and my gums. And I still got my teeth. That's nice, isn't it, at this age? So the reality is there's things that, you know, in the feel-good um, culture is, you know, well, if I don't feel, if it doesn't feel good, I don't want to do it. That destroys lives. And we get distracted by that, that, that um, whole culture. And you know the problem with the, you know, if it doesn't feel good, I'm not going to do it. Uh, the, the truth is, is that we never take responsibility for our lives. Did you do that? No, no, no. That was someone else's problem. I just blame someone else. Now, we mightn't do that this morning, but the reality is we live in a culture and not to be squeezed into that mold and be transformed or conformed to that, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind and focus on that, which is important to focus on. Keep your eyes straight, not distracted by all those things. The scripture actually says in this verse I read to you in Proverbs, it says, ponder the path of your feet. In other words, Jesus, the, the, the wisdom of the Proverbs is saying, continually look where you're going, continue to see. You know, you can run into a post when you're looking over there. So don't be distracted. Don't be distracted. Keep your eyes on the front. The Tazia, I will keep, the wonderful thing about his eyeballs, they're fixed. He can't. Unless he turns his body or his head, he cannot look anywhere else but straight ahead. Come on. Let's have that attribute in our life. Here's the last one, and we'll. I'll, couple of quick ones. Not only do they see light and darkness, not only their eyes are fixed, but the tazia, the tazia doesn't attract attention to themselves. Here is a fascinating thing about the eyeballs of this monkey. A normal nocturnal, um, uh, nocturnal animal, um, what happens is, is that their eyeballs are nowhere near as big. Those are, there's a lot of animals that see in the dark, but their eyeballs are not that big, as big as this guy. The reason is, is because normal nocturnal animals have a light that comes into their eye, hits their retina, and, and a certain amount of light is absorbed. They see a certain amount. And then behind their eyeball is a thin layer, a reflective layer. The light hits the reflective layer and bounces back, back out their eyeball. And once again, more light is absor uh, absorbed, and they see the picture a little clearer. It happens very, like, very quick. That's why... Normal nocturnal animals and predators can see in the dark because light comes in, hits the reflective layer, bounces out, and they get a picture of what's happening. Okay? And that's why the light coming out of their eyeballs is that's why cats, when you shine a light on them, you get the reflection of the light coming back out. Who knows that a cat's eyes glow in the dark kind of thing? Do you know what I'm talking about? Who knows that a crocodile, if you put a light on a crocodile, you'll see its eyes in the dark before you ever see the body because they reflect the light. They're nocturnal predators that actually have this function. The tazia, tazia, the little monkey, doesn't have a reflective layer behind its eyeballs. It's just got big ones, big eyeballs. So all the light comes into it is just absorbed, and nothing is ever reflected. Why is this important? Well, because it never attracts attention to itself. Its eyes never reflect the light around it. It just absorbs the light. And so that's very handy, but when it's in the dark hunting for something to eat and the moonlight shines, 
The other animals that it's about to consume and it's about to jump on never sees the reflection of the light in, the, in this monkey's eyes and thus is not aware of its fatal situation that's about to unfold. So the tasia, the tasia never attracts attention to itself because its eyes never reflect the light. It just absorbs it, and that's why they're so big. They need to absorb as much as they can. Here's the interesting thing. How does this teach us? Tazis, uh, how does, what does this do for us? What do we learn from the Tazia? Don't attract the devil's attention by your self-promotion because this little monkey never promotes himself. He never seeks to, he never seeks to actually promote himself. And I want to just encourage us this morning if there's one thing that we need to be careful of, it just says in 1 Peter 5, 6 and 8, humble yourself before the mighty hand of God that he may lift you up in due time. And two verses later, he says, be alert and be sober-minded. Your enemy prowls around like a roaring lion seeking to devour. Do you know why the enemy prowls? He does very little attacking, but he does a lot of prowling because he's looking for opportunity of people who want to just self-promote and attract because he himself fell out of heaven because of his own self-promotion and pride. And if he can find anybody like that, he'll be attracted to that person. So if I can encourage you this morning, do not get caught up with self-promoting agendas. Don't get caught up with ego. You know, how can I look good in the eyes of others instead of, God, how can I make you look good in the eyes of others? What will I do instead of God? What would you have me to do? We can have attention-seeking lifestyles driven by the need to be noticed because that's where our confidence or our identity lays. If I can just get attention, I'll gain my confidence and identity from what people's attention they give to me. You know, we don't need, we need to find our, in him we live and move and have our being. And often I find that our identity has got to be wrapped up in him because if it's not, it can be wrapped up in what other people think of us and when other people don't think nice of us, then we find our identity and our confidence gets, goes through the floor and we lose confidence in life. But it's in him, isn't it? Can I have the musicians? You've been very patient. I know that we, we had communion and all those important things this morning, but I just wanted to ch- encourage us and challenge us this morning. But you know what? See light and darkness. Have your eyes fixed. And thirdly, don't, don't, your eyes don't have to attract attention. Don't attract unnecessary attention. Let God lift you up, not yourself. Here's the last thing. This little monkey, when they give birth to their young, they're born with their eyes open. Not many animals do that. Some do. But the taz is the little birth of their little ones, their eyes are open. And the Tazi is able, you know, within a month, that little baby Tazi monkey is able to fend for itself and feed itself within a month. Why? Because its eyes are born, it's born with its eyes open. Jesus was speaking to a guy called Nicodemus once, and he said, you know, Nicodemus, Nicodemus come to him at night time (laughs) because he was concerned what people may think of him if he was seen with Jesus. He was a Pharisee, and he said to Jesus, he said, Jesus, what must I do? What, what's the thing that's going to get me eternal life? And Jesus says, you know, in John 3.3, 3, he says, unless one is born again, he cannot see, he cannot see, he cannot see the kingdom of God. Unless one is born again. Can we stand this morning? You know, when you receive Jesus into your life, the very first thing that happens is, is that you start to see differently. 
Old mindsets are broken, new mindsets created. You start to see life. You start to see many of the things that I've mentioned this morning. Because God has a plan and a purpose for every person. And the first step is to see, and Jesus says, unless you're born again. You know, we need to be, when you're born again, you're born with your eyes suddenly come open. You suddenly come open. And you can see truth and you can see life and you can see hope. And maybe you're seeing that already this morning, but you've never taken that step of actually committing your life to Jesus Christ. And if you're here this morning, I'd love us just to all close our eyes to give everyone an opportunity today just to say yes to Jesus, to be seeing differently, to have an opportunity. And if you've never done that before, or maybe today you need to do it again just to strengthen that relationship or that commitment that you've made with Jesus. I'd just love you to lift your hand this morning and I'll take, see that hand and you can put it down. I'd just love to pray with you where you are today. Is there anybody this morning? Anybody who just wants to say yes to Jesus, either for the first time or again, because you know you haven't been where you wanted to be with him. Thank you. Is there anybody else this morning? Thank you. Thank you, sir. Anybody else? I'll just wait another moment. We're not going to prolong it. Okay, for the sake of those two people, would we pray a prayer? Can those two particular people be, um, repeat this prayer as we all would, just to support? Um, make it your own. It's certainly, it's not the prayer itself. It's the heart of what we say. It's not the words. But it makes it easier today. And in the light of this, so with everybody here, can I please just ask you to repeat this after me? Make it your own prayer. Many times I've prayed this prayer and meant it because I want to make sure. I just want to be right with God. So let's do that. Heavenly Father, I come to you today just as I am. And I thank you that you receive me and you accept me. I thank you, God, that you sent Jesus, that he died and rose again, that I might be forgiven for my sin and my past. I accept your love and forgiveness, and I confess with my mouth, and I believe in my heart that God Jesus is alive and he wants to live in me. And I receive that now. In Jesus' name, amen. Father, I pray for the two people this morning that put their hand up. May you be more and more real to them than ever before. Holy Spirit, get right now, just go and as they open their hearts to you to speak words of encouragement and life to them. And Father, we ask this in Jesus' name. And we're thankful that you're faithful to us, God. You never leave us nor forsake us. And we thank you for that.